0: How are we doing today? All right. I do not have a Mother's Day message for you. Amen. Uh, I just want to say this and get this out there. We don't do Mother's Day and Father's Day messages. Okay? So we acknowledge moms on Mother's Day. We acknowledge fathers on Father's Day. In fact, it'll be a nice handmade gift uh, that will be given to the mothers at the end of the service. In fact, all women, uh, all young ladies and and women. Um, But. We figure if we could celebrate it before and after, um, the message will be focused on what God is leading us to talk about in the in that moment, amen? So what are we talking about? We've been talking about relationships, and as a pastor, I've been observing that people need help in relationships, amen? amen. We need help in relationships because relationships are complicated, relationships are challenging, and sometimes uh, we could be defeated or pulled down if we don't know how to handle the challenges, the conflicts, the obstacles that we face in relationships. So we've been in the series, I think this is maybe the fifth message in this series. And today, on Mother's Day, I want to talk to you uh, about a very powerful topic. And it's really, been, I, it's really been in our list for this relationship series for about six or eight months now. I want to talk to you about loving confrontation. Loving confrontation. And the reality is when you hear that word confrontation, many people have this negative, oh, I hate confrontation feeling about them. You know, you, you, you just immediately it's like, what am I doing here today? I could have stepped, I could have slept home or I could have slept in, whatever. No, this is going to help you. I want to help you because... Uh, as you as you face obstacles in in life and in relationships you don't have to let them handicap you you don't have to let them uh, hold you back paralyze you in that relationship you can you can have victory you can succeed in that relationship and i want to start off with a story in the old testament um that that occurred with king david now David was a mighty man of God. The Bible says that he was a man after God, God's own heart. And like many uh, people, he had his own sense of struggles, you know? And at one point in time, he actually committed adultery with a married woman. Her name was Bathsheba. And after that period of time, uh, we read in the Psalms what he was going through, how he felt. Um, the experiences he had, the feelings that, that he had as a result of that that act that he did. Um, but then he's, he's confronted by this guy named Nathan. And I want to propose to you today that this guy Nathan, he's called a prophet. Nathan the prophet was more than a prophet in David's life. But I want to start off by reading this passage in 2 Samuel chapter 12. And I do want to say, before we get into the message, uh, the, the app, you can download it on your smart devices, any smart devices, has uh, all, the whole outline, the notes, the scriptures, all that stuff in there. It can help you uh, if you want to retain these messages and look at them in the future. Second Samuel chapter 12, starting in verse 1, I'm just going to read a few verses. It says this. The Lord sent Nathan to David. Now, keep in mind, David was in the midst of just this horrible uh, feeling over his sin. You could read Psalm 32, Psalm 51. You could get a feel of what he was going through as a result of his sin. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. And this was sort of like a rescue effort by God because David was doing all kinds of stupid stuff after this adultery. He had her husband killed. He was trying to deceive people, and this thing, this whole thing was hidden. This whole thing was being kept hidden, and God wanted to expose it. So it says, the Lord sent Nathan to David, and when he came to him, he said, there were two men. This is just a brilliant story by Nathan, anyway. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle. But the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He had raised it. It grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now, a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man, and he prepared it for the one had come to him the story goes on and and david begins to get furious because nathan brilliantly is appealing to some some uh, tender points in david's heart the first one was he was a shepherd and he understood how close you could get to a sheep you know they become like pets they become friends to you Uh, they may lie near you when you're sleeping in the cold out in the cold at night and keep you warm And so Nathan's bringing this story to give a comparison to King David about what David had done. And also, he was appealing to David's justice. You know, here's the king. The king was all about justice in that day. David was a man of justice. And the story goes on to say that David was infuriated, and he's like, This man should be killed. And to make a long story short, Nathan said, that man is you. It's one of the most powerful stories of confrontation in the Bible. It's an amazing story. But what I want you to see is Nathan was more than just a prophet to David. Uh, Just a few points of interest. Um, David's second son had the name Nathan. Whether he was officially named after the prophet or not, we don't know. Um, Nathan also gave He named one of David's sons That Bathsheba Bore to him Nathan named him David shared some some of the secrets of his heart He he longed to build a temple For the ark of God And David would share these types of things With Nathan Um, Nathan remained loyal When David's son Adonijah rose up a rebellion Trying to overthrow his father Nathan remained loyal king david and finally nathan was the one who anointed solomon as king and so who god sent to david that day was much more than a prophet in my eyes it was a friend and so i want to talk to you today about loving confrontation because confrontation really is powerful you may ask the question what is confrontation confrontation is this opposing the wrong to preserve the good Posing the wrong to preserve the good the reality is we're all powerful people you know we're all sons and daughters of god we are all heirs to the most high god if we're if we've given our life to jesus christ he's adopted us into his family we're powerful people right and there's a lot of goodness in us but we're learning how to walk in who god has made us to be we're in this process of growing to become more like jesus and so in this process, sometimes we make stupid choices. We hurt people. We, we step into sin. We say stupid things. We do stupid things. And the reality is uh, we can ignore, if you have a friend that's doing that stuff, you can ignore it or you can confront it. So I want to help you help others. I want to help you call the good out of people because there's a lot of good in people. And sometimes people's lives are marked by the bad they've done the wrong they've done, and that's not how God sees us. We are marked by what he's done for us, amen? And so we, we want to focus on uh, opposing the wrong to preserve the good. But in life, you know, there's broken promises that we face. There's, there's uh, situations where people don't meet our expectations. There's sinful decisions that people make, and we need to learn what it's like to deal with that. You know, help people through that. And what I've what I've observed over the years is many people avoid confrontation, especially Christians. You know, I, I don't know if it's like, okay, I just gotta love people and you know, I can't say any to the anything to them because they think I'm judging them and um you know that's not loving if they feel judged. And so someone can come up to you and say, you know what? Uh you know, I stole my mom's car, we, we uh, you know, we, we took all this money, we went and did all this drugs, and we did all these things, and as a Christian, with that mindset, like we can't confront, we're like, oh, okay. And we're thinking inside, I know I should say something, I know I should, and those maybe have been poor examples, but we'll just keep moving on, all right? Trust me. It'll be okay. Uh, you know, I know I should say something, I know that's wrong, they know that's wrong, but what do I do? What do I do? And I hear stories all the time. Many times it's not directly from people, but I hear about people. And, you know, you got to be in a situation, a friendly or relational situation to confront people many times. You know? Because nowadays we have this politically correct society. People people get offended. Then they walk away from the church and, and all this stuff. So... um many people have concluded it's just best for me not to confront and many of us walk in this place and say you know don't say anything to be about what what's wrong in my life because you're judging me and the reality is we need to have an open heart let me just tell you if you call this church your church you should have an open heart to say I want to be open enough to grow in my relationship with God I know I don't have it all mastered. I know there's some things that I need to be challenged in. Because ultimately, confrontation can help you grow better, grow faster, and get rid of the junk in your life. So there's two key goals that I'll share with you related to confrontation. The first one is to clean up the mess you made. And the second one is to repair relationships that you broke or damaged. Clean up the mess you made, repair relationship that you damaged. Um, When you think confrontation, if you think a fight, confrontation should never be a fight. Confrontation should never be about this great tension and these people exhibiting all their anger and yelling at each other. It's never supposed to be that way. Because loving confrontation is this. I love you enough to not leave you where you're at. And you may feel like you're stuck. You may not even know that you're stuck, but you're stuck. And I want to help you. I want to help you move ahead in life, I want to help you walk in victory and experience hope again. You know, walk walk this thing out in faith. So there's three there's three in the Bible. We see three things or three places that you should receive confrontation from. The first one is the Word of God. Let me share with you uh, Second Timothy three sixteen. It says this. Where do we get how do we get confronted? Second Timothy says this. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. See, God has given us the word of God to confront our sinful lifestyle, you know. And some of us who don't like to be confronted don't bother reading the word of God because we already know we're a mess, you know. We already know we're a mess, and I'm going to avoid that because I don't want to be confronted but let me tell you something. The Word of God can change you. The Word of God can help you. The Word of God can change you enough so that you don't have to have people come to you. Or God expose your mess, right? He's kind that way. He, want, he wants you to get it, and he's given us a tool to help us get it so that we could get through our stuff. The second one is this, the Holy Spirit. He's amazing at confronting us. And that's many times it's used in conjunction with the word of god you know the holy spirit speaking to us about a particular verse maybe we read many times before but other times you know it's not necessarily tied to the scriptures like you could be yelling at somebody and all of a sudden the holy spirit and that still small voice is saying what are you doing you're being stupid right now you know or you start to have these thoughts going through your head you know and you're thinking out about how you can act them out and the holy spirit there's something like either just like that that dull weight in your stomach, like, uh-oh, no peace. I, don't, I don't know if I should. I don't know if I should do this, or I know I'm not supposed to do this. And and the Holy Spirit has ways of arresting us in a moment, and dealing with the stuff that we're either about to get into, or we're already in the middle of. The whole. See, God is so gracious that he he wants to have a couple waves of confrontation before we have to be confronted by other people. If we respond to the Word of God and the promptings of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be in really, really good shape. But if we ignore those, and sometimes, you know, it's not even the fact of ignoring the promptings of God. Sometimes he just sends people our way. And here's the the third way that we should receive confrontation. The first is the Word of God. The second is through the Holy Spirit. The third is godly people godly people we need godly people in our lives we need mothers and fathers everyone needs people in their lives we need godly friends that can speak into our lives that can look us in the eye and say you know you're going in the wrong direction i think you're making wrong choices and if we're if we're pulling the the lone ranger game if we're playing that game we're going to be in trouble because god has created a family a body of believers to be around us uh, people in our lives that could speak into our lives in a way that we don't uh, get offended and and you know uh, get all upset, but in a way that it's we're rec- it's received with love, and it's it's a, a challenge to grow and to overcome the obstacles that we face. So so we should be being confronted by the word of God, the Holy Spirit, and godly people. Um, the problem is actually, let me share with you this verse here because. The godly people part. I I want you to see this. Hebrews 10.24 says this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Do you see that? The writer is saying, "I, I want you to be thinking about how you can help people grow to love more and grow to do things for God more. And so as we're doing this, we're... We're—he's not. This is not just about you. It's about the people that are in your life, right? As we're doing this, we—we uh, we should have the—the—the the, the kind of love in us that would say, "Would you tell me if I was wrong?" Do you have people in your life that you're okay with them telling you that you're wrong? Do you have people in your life that you're okay with telling you you have bad breath? You know that you're—that you look like a mess. I mean, that's just the starting point. Let me just—let's just be honest. If you're, if you're around me and you, you, you know, I have something in my tooth or something hanging from my nose and you don't tell me, I know where our relationship's at. I mean, that's, that's just like the starting point because I want to I wanna protect you, right? And I want you to protect me. You're going to let me go talk to 100 people and I'm, I'm looking like a wreck over here? Listen, the starting point of, of relationship is that we can tell each other stuff and not worry about offense telling you offense is such a problem some of us got to grow thicker skin some of us got to say you know get over ourselves and stop being so wounded and so tender the reality is we need people that can talk to us so do you have people in your life that can tell you man i don't think you're going in a good direction where have you been i haven't seen you in church in a while people that could call you up that can challenge you that could hold you accountable that you know they love you You know, but if you stiff arm people and keep them far away from you in life, then then it's sort of like you're a lone ranger. You're all alone. And when trouble comes, you have no one to lean on. We need godly people in our lives. We need godly friends. We need mothers and fathers to help us. And so here's typically how um, this whole confrontation thing Uh, When you think about it and it relates to you confronting somebody, there's really two paths that people take, typically, most people. The first path is this. Either you run from it, you run from confrontation, or you run toward it. You find yourself confronting everything. These are two extremes. You run from confrontation, like, oh, I know i got to talk to that person. I don't want it. And you find every reason not to do it. But in the meantime, that person's walking all over you. In the meantime, you want your yes to be yes and your no to be no, but you tell them yes when you wish you had said no, and then you're frustrated with yourself. You're and like these emotions start to turn inside of you. You're like, oh, I, I just want to tell them the truth, but you can't tell the truth. That's that's sort of the flight. You ever hear flee or flight, flee or flight? The the sort of the natural responses to things. Either you run. Or you, you face you face your obstacle, well, the people who have the flight issue, they try to avoid raising the issue because they 're afraid of people they 're afraid of the response they 're afraid of what could happen um, and so in in that whole those feelings that you experience, you feel like people are taking advantage of you, but you 've never opened your mouth because people get their way with you people people do what they want around you and you never ever confront them at best at best you drop these subtle hints but you're never direct enough to deal with the issue or in addition to dropping these subtle hints maybe you talk to people but not them you talk to people about the issue and you talk to people about that person but you don't talk to that person about the issue and you hope that somehow some way that that information that you shared will get back to them when all you really have to do is talk to them. You know? And the more you bury those emotions, those frustrations, you just got to know that when you bury stuff, it's ultimately going to come out. And usually it comes out at the wrong time, in front of the wrong people. And then the people that were close to you are hurt and offended and and they're left wondering what in the world just happened, right? And so that's because you you struggle with addressing confrontation. You struggle with addressing confrontation. If you're going to write something down, write this down. Loving without confronting is enabling. It's short-sighted, and it's cowardly. I'll say that again. Loving without confronting is enabling. It's short-sighted, and it's cowardly. This is not good. And you end up paying the price for it. On the other end of the extreme, it's the people that have the fight mentality. I'm going to confront everything. You looked at me wrong. Why did you look at me wrong? You know, you got two different colored socks. I'm going to confront you on that. And, you know, what happens in these scenarios to these people is that... um, they see themselves as truthful and direct, but others, others see them as hurtful and controlling. And so we've got to find this balance. Um, because unfortunately, the people who, who have that mentality, they lose a lot of friends in the process. You know, they're bold, but maybe perhaps too bold, or they're not using wisdom as to how and when they should confront. So write this down about, the, uh, about this type of people. Confronting without love is judgmental, it's critical, and it's mean. Confronting without love is judgmental, it's critical, and it's mean. So I want to help you learn how to lovingly confront people. Lovingly confront people. And here's, here's just a few other thoughts before I get into the steps related to confrontation. The first thing is this, you cannot change what you will not confront. If you you want the thing to stay the same, don't confront it. But if you are tired of being walked on, and it's not just one person, it's several people. If you're tired of being taken advantage of, if you're tired of of having this this feeling like I know I've got to talk about it, I know I've got to deal with it. Let me tell you something. It will help your relationship if you can be honest and caring and loving. If you're tired of that, then you've got to figure out a way to address it. So you can't change what you will not confront. And here's, here's another thought that you should have here. Because you can't confront everything. Should you let it go or let them know? You've got to answer that question. Should you just let it go, or should you let them know? Here's here's a verse in Colossians. It's a powerful verse. It says this, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against somebody, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So there's the barometer, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Okay, forgive. So we've got to extend forgiveness, but the reality is this person keeps on doing what they're doing. Or, you know, I've forgiven them, but there's still a problem here. So how do you know when to confront or when to forgive and just let it go? And here's, here's the thought I wrote down. Um, if you can't let it go and, and keep no records of wrongs in a situation or toward a person, if it keeps coming up, You should confront if there's a repeat occurrence, if there's if there's boundaries that are being violated in your relationship, um, you know, or you've forgiven, but you just see this person going down a wrong path, you should confront. If it's these petty little things, you know, sometimes let me just tell you something. I was talking about having godly people in our lives, and having godly people in our lives are so important. But sometimes people it, think it's their job to confront people that they don't know. And, you know, this causes a problem too. You can be a godly person, but you're not, if you're not in their life, you can spit every Bible verse at them in the book. The reality is they're not going to receive it from you. You know, the Bible says you shouldn't do this. And the Bible says you shouldn't do this because there's no relationship there we need to have relationships yeah. so so it really goes both ways if you don't have a relationship or relationships you should get some but if if you if you <laughs> if you are a person that feels you need to confront somebody it's good to know that they love you that you're safe that you you care about them and then you know not only the bible verses because I don't know, sometimes that could be a turnoff to people. You start spitting Bible verses at them. Oh, you shouldn't have said that. You know what the Bible says. And it, it's it's really, if it's not found in relationships, it's not good. But then the other thing is when we start to bring in tradition, oh, watch out. You want to chase people out of the church? You start talking about things that are pet peeves to you? You know? You shouldn't be doing that. I think that you, and you don't have a relationship you're just causing trouble, so we are a family people in a family have relationships we give you a lot of opportunities to build relationships and the other the other the other side of the coin is this if you're a confronter um, and I'm not I want to give you guys a license to confront but I want to set some parameters as it relates to confronting because I think confrontation can help us grow in the faith but we need to be careful if If um, I just forgot what I was going to say. Oh, well, anyway, if you're a confronter, if you're a confronter, you should seek to build relationships with people. You know, be a mom, be a dad. The Bible, you want to throw a Bible verse at people? Let me give one to you. The Bible talks about the fact that there's many teachers and not many fathers. Where are the fathers in young people's lives? Where are, the, where are the people, the mothers and fathers, that that care enough to say, listen, I'm going to guide you and steer you and love you and pour into your life. I'm going to be here for you in the good times and the bad times and challenge you to grow, to become more like Jesus. But I want you to know I'm here for you. I'm not going to just point the finger at you and make you feel guilty about the stuff in your life. You know, we, we need mothers and fathers. So... Um, So some other thoughts related to uh, confrontation is this. Should we let it go or should we let them know? Here's the last thought. If you ignore the problem, you will likely get bitter. If you're afraid to confront and you just ignore it, hoping it'll go away, it's going to affect you. There's this powerful verse in Proverbs that says this. It says, uh, and I'm using the NLT version because I think it's just clearer than some of the other translations but it says this an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city think about that arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars the likelihood of you becoming bitter and that relationship never getting restored is very high and so confrontation is needed so how do we confront how do we how do we do this? How do we go after it? How do we establish healthy relationships? How do we get healthy in relationships so that we can be comfortable with the people in our lives and those around us, and we have expectations for them and communicate them? How do we do this? There's there's five things I want to give to you. It'll be very quickly, okay? Um, but I think you'll get this and it makes sense. It's very simple, very easy. The first thing is when you when someone uh, offends you or does something that violates the boundaries you have in your life or, or let you down as it relates to expectations or is just walking in sin in their own personal life, but you are close enough to them to feel like you can talk to them about it, I would say this. The first part is this. Check yourself. Check yourself. Look at your own life because a wise person is going to evaluate where they're at and, and, and their own motivations, their own feelings, their, their own thoughts related to this issue check yourself look you could ask yourself some questions you can you know you can you can think about it this way am i a part of the problem am i have i communicated some things that uh they've they've willingly violated is it possible that the conflict uh was impacted by your actions or here's another one this is like this is very prominent are you believing a lie you know sometimes we take these little snippets of points in time in our lives and in our relationships and we add them together and we conclude that this person is out against us. We conclude that this person is doing things to purposely hurt us or irritate us or to ignore what we've asked of them. And the reality is, you know, the enemy's going to work in that because he likes to bring division. He likes he likes to see uh, he likes to see death to relationships, you know? So are you believing a lie? Is the enemy working on you as it relates to this? Now, don't lie to me, okay? Because the reality is, I know you're sitting there thinking, maybe not at this moment, but when you're thinking about a person that has done something to you, immediately you begin to think about all this, like I'm going to say, you have a conversation in your mind, right? You start to talk to them and uh, you give them a piece of your mind without opening your mouth. Is, am I the only one here that does this? Come on. <laughs> so listen to me in the midst of that the situation typically gets worse. The situation gets worse. And then the other question you could ask as you check yourself is am i being am i being overly defensive? You know? Uh we talked earlier about growing thicker skin, you know? Putting up with people. Allowing thinking the best of people. Here's the other here here's step 2. The first one was check yourself. The step 2 is this. Establish a safe environment. Establish a safe place or safety. Um, you know, you could talk to a- almost anyone about anything if they feel safe. But if they feel defensive, if they, if they sense your aggression, if they feel uh, nervous or unsafe, you can't, talk to any, you can't talk to people about hardly anything. You know, they're shut down. They're not going to receive from you. And so it's important to establish uh, a, a safe, safe situation where you can openly share your heart. This is now confronting. First, you're going to check yourself. Then you've got to create a situation where it's safe. I'm not talking about confronting out, out of anger. You know, so many times we get in people's faces and we're pointing the finger and we've got that snarl where it's got spit flying, all that stuff. That is not, that is not safe and it's not going to work. People will shut down, and they will not receive from you. In fact, they want to run from you, especially if you haven't had your Tic Tacs today. (laughs) So so we want people to feel safe, and we want to treat people with honor. This is so important. We want to treat people with honor. I start off by saying we're powerful people. We are God's sons and daughters. You know, there's a mark on our lives. We matter, and we can't treat people like crap because we're upset or we're frustrated or we're angry. So we want to treat people with honor because, listen to me, we dishonor God when we dishonor his people. If we're going to dishonor one another, we're dishonoring God because that is, that is his son and daughter that we're dealing with so we want to check ourselves we want to ensure that we're establishing a safe situation for the people because confrontation is awkward anyway for the confronter and the person being confronted they've got to feel safe enough to number one come and number two know that they're going to leave and it's not going to be this bloodbath you know what i mean the third thought i would say is this uh, when, when you sit down, it's important to describe the gap, or uh, what is the gap? The gap is the difference between your expectation and what actually happened. Describe what, I'll give you an example, you know. Say in your workplace, there's this, the gap is this. You walk into the uh, the employee, what is that place called, The the lounge, the lounge, and every time Johnny walks out of there, the place is trashed, you know. But you want a nice, clean lounge to go and relax in when you have your break, so the gap is uh the gap is described as, you know why do you leave this place dirty? You know my expectation is it's clean before you came in, it was clean. Why can't it be clean when you leave, or making it a little bit more uh more personal um you know. The gap could be when, when you talk about relationships, friends. This never happened to most of you in this room, but I'll just give you an example. When when you're trying to communicate with a friend uh, to set up a time to hang out and they no longer respond to you, you know? And you get this feeling like I'm not wanted. They don't love me anymore. And, you know, uh, they don't want to spend time with me. The gap would be this. I want to spend time with you. You don't want to spend time with me? So you sit down and you just describe What your expectation is and what the reality is. Like if I text you, like give me the courtesy of responding at some point. You know, Uh, give me the courtesy of communicating somehow, some way within a reasonable amount of time. Whatever the expectation is. And we all have these expectations in our relationships, don't we? Many times these expectations are the things that cause us problems. So you need to describe what you were expecting and what was actually happening that's the gap so um so we want to describe that or you know in a situation where you're lovingly confronting somebody about sin you need to talk about it like listen man i you know you used to be passionate you used to come to church every week you know you used to you used to be an influence to people but now i hardly ever see you you've fallen off the map i hear that you're going out partying all the time and doing all the what is going on with your life i'm concerned about what's going on in your life. I love you, and I want the best for you. Is this true? And so we're describing the situation that we're talking about. And then the third part is this, dig for the truth. What is the real truth? Because in reality, you've just described what your observation is. Now it's time for them to talk, right? We want to give people an opportunity to talk. Let's look at Galatians 6.1, and I'm just going to close here in just a minute. Galatians 6.1 one. A powerful verse says this: If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Our whole goal in all this is, you know, I'm going to approach you because I love you and I care for you. This is not about anger. This is not about uh, me being right and you being wrong. It's about about getting to a place where you're where we're gonna we're gonna leave our meeting together, and it's going to be good. We're going to have smiles on our faces. We're going to be in relationship. You're going to recognize what what my heart is. I'm going to recognize what your heart is. But listen to me. Confrontation is biblical. What What would David's life be like if Nathan was too afraid to go and confront him? I mean, that was a turning point in David's life where he began to pursue God again where he received forgiveness, and he began to go on as the king. Up to that point, he was paralyzed. He was a mess in his life. And let me tell you something. There's people around us that need to hear that we love them enough to not want to see them stay the same as they are. I want to give you a license to learn how to lovingly confront. It starts within relationship. It starts with your friends to say, listen, I want to see you grow. I want to see you. I, I want to see you succeed in life. You know, and here's some things that are not working. Can we talk about them? And maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what? You describe me to a T because there's people in my life that I know I have to talk to. Let's just put the word confront aside because maybe you just don't like that word. There's people in my life I know I have to talk to. And I would challenge you today, make a choice to begin the process of having that face-to-face meeting. Make the choice today to move ahead and say, listen, I I just want to talk to you. You may be a little fearful, you may be a little scared, but I guarantee you if you do it right, on the back end, you're going to be happy you did. You're going to be happy you did. Amen. We're powerful people. We want to empower people to continue to become more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now, if you're here today, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, today is a great day to do that. He is the Savior of the world. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He came to this earth because he loved you so much. He is an expression of the Father's love. And what he did was he came to restore relationship. We've been talking about relationships, relationships are vital, but God established relationships, and He establishes love for us by sending His Son to come to this earth, die on a cross, raised three days later, and we serve a living God. If, if you're here today, you've never truly given your life to Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to come and talk to me right after this service. It'll change your life forever. Jesus Christ did ama- he's an amazing, amazing savior. I'd like to invite the the uh, ministry team up. There's going to be people here who would love to pray for you, uh, love to see God bring some breakthrough in your life, whether it be healing, deliverance. Uh, may, maybe you have questions about giving your life to Jesus. But they're here, they're trained, they're ready to minister to you. Would you stand to your feet? I want to close in prayer today. And I do ask, uh, as as I finish the prayer, if you could just quietly leave the sanctuary that would be a blessing to those who are here to receive ministry we we just want to honor what God is doing amen would you just take a minute and close your eyes let's just close our eyes and it's just a it's just a, a a way that we could focus on what is going on inside of us a way that we could honor people around us and Lord we just ask Holy Spirit and you could ask this question yourself I would encourage you to do that Holy Spirit, what are you saying today? And what are you saying to me? What are you saying, Lord? What are you saying to me? And Father, I just bless your people today. God, I pray that you speak, that they know it's you, that the clarity of your voice is real to them. Lord, that you're moving in their life, that you're challenging them, God that you're confronting them about things that they've let go, they've let slip in their lives. Maybe people's faces are coming to your mind that maybe you just need to talk to. Pursue them and restore relationship. And Father, we bless you today, God. We give you all the praise, God. And Father, we honor moms today. Father, may they be blessed today as we celebrate Mother's Day. Father, I bless your people in the mighty name of Jesus. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great day.